keep moving forward and don't let others hold you back and don't let the voices of others that say you can't do this or you shouldn't or you're too young or you're too thin or you're too, you know, you're not smart enough or you're not creative enough, you're not intelligent enough. Don't let those voices get you down, like always connect to the inner voice in you that believes in your greatness. That was Lilia Tarawa, a number one best-selling author, speaker, and holistic life coach. But none of those things are the most interesting thing about her. Lilia was born into New Zealand's infamous religious cult, Gloria Vale, and she broke free at 18 years of age. In the world she grew up in, Lilia drifted in her self-awareness, but now she's found a new calling to empower people to live a meaningful and passionate life that belongs to them. Her experience compelled her to create a career promoting human rights, welfare, and personal empowerment. You might have seen Lilia's TED Talk, which has gained nearly 2 million views. Whether you have or you haven't, this episode still has some incredible insights tailored to young people just like yourself. And I hope through listening to this, you find a sense of empowerment and purpose. We really dive deep into finding true success and fulfillment through the emotional and psychological aspects of your life. Hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lilia. I'm super excited for this chat. Um, I know myself and a lot of uh, listeners are fairly well aware off you, especially um, your TED Talk has been pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, you know, you've grown up in a pretty interesting environment, if I were to put it that way. Uh, why don't you give us, for those that aren't familiar with your background, a bit of a description about what that was like, what your environment was like, and mm. uh, some of your earliest memories around that too. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate no worries, it. No um, Thank you. So... I mean, my whole childhood was pretty much lived in um, one spot over on the West Coast. And I think in order to like really give you a proper understanding, I think you need to know the history of my grandfather's background. So my grandfather was an Australian evangelist and he followed the um, Christian teachings of Billy Graham, who was an American evangelist. And my grandfather would um, take a plane and fly into the Australian outback and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to like remote areas. And he would hold sermons in these big white tents and people would come for miles to hear him preach. And then he was invited over to talk at New Zealand churches and they loved his um, charisma and he's an amazing public speaker. And um, so he moved his whole family over here, including my mum, and um, settled in just on the outskirts of Christchurch on the east coast of New Zealand, South Island. And um, he was part of a church there and then the church he had a falling out with some of the other church leaders and there was a church split so he took half of that church and moved them out to a farm property in Cust still on the outskirts of Christchurch and there the people started to live like a simple life of service to their God and um, it all revolved around worship and community and they put all their possessions and belongings into communal banks and started businesses together and they didn't live in homes, they lived in hostels. Um, So one family would share one room in a really massive hostel. There was a communal mess hall that they would all eat at. And this is where like I grew up. So I was born in Rangura 
And my mm. first memories are like on one of the swings. They were like, and it was just like my very first memory was of the sun rising. And it was just, I had utter like pure happiness. And I grew up like a really happy child. Like I was surrounded by my friends and I worked in the kitchen with the women because women did all the domestic tasks and men worked yeah. on the farm. So there's very specific gender roles in our community. It's very traditional, conservative Christian. Um, yeah. We all started wearing uniforms. They were exactly the same color, exactly the same cut. The women would wear dresses, the men wore shirts and pants, and the women wore headscarves to show submission to men and to God. Eventually, we needed land to expand, so we went over to the West Coast and settled on two really big farm properties in the Holpity Valley, and there was this beautiful, like, pristine river running down the middle through the valley, and so I grew up on this farm and did all my schooling there. I had no contact with the outside world. Um, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't watch TV. We didn't listen to the radio. We we were very, very isolated. Um, and our, my life had planned to be a life where I would grow up, have an arranged marriage to a man chosen for me and bear as many children as God gave us so there would be no practice of birth control. And mm. um, I was going to live there my whole life, but that didn't end up happening, which is why I'm here with you today talking about yeah, absolutely. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so I know you mentioned to me before that you – you and your family both, uh, you know, left Gl Gloria Vale, obviously, which is why um, you're able to be here with me today. Yeah. Uh, but as your experience has been, you know, completely off that community and off that world, what was you, what were your first thoughts stepping into the outside world? Um, you know, what did that outside world look like to you and sort of what was going through your mind at that stage? Oh, just absolute shock because mm. – I'd had no real exposure to what the outside world was really like. And I remember the first time I ever went to a nightclub, like I was 18 years old and I walked in the door and there it was just lit up with colored lights. There were like disco, a uh, disco ball on the ceiling spinning around. There's music playing that it was strange. Like I didn't know the lyrics or the tunes to any <laughs> of the songs. And I was just like, this place is insane. I'll try and yeah. like hold my shit together while like experiencing this like completely new environment. Um, yeah. There were tiles, like light tiles flashing all over the floor and like blue and pink and green and white. Mm. And I was just like completely lost and totally overwhelmed. Yeah. And I mean, I know you had a few experiences that, uh, really tested your idea of, you know, relationships. Um, and so what was it like going into the outside world and then, you know, making your first friends and building relationships with people you haven't known, um, you know, while you were in Gloriavelle? Because uh, for those 18 years of your life, you've only known the community around you? Yeah, um, because I grew up with like the closest friends because we yeah. did everything together. Like we lived in communal hostels. We worked together. We went to school together. We worshipped God together. We had um, time outs together. We went on holidays together. So I grew up with like these 
this very, very intimate community. And when I left, it was it took about six years for me to fully come to terms with losing every single person that I had known in my life mm. um, because I had practically uprooted and came to a whole new land that I knew nothing about and was really quite freaked out about. Yeah. Um, I made so then I made some friends by going back to church out on the outside of the community where I was raised. Um and what happened though is that I then started to question my Christian faith. And mm. when that happened, I made the decision to leave church. And when I left church, I was again stepping away from a lot of friendships that I'd created. Yeah. Which was that was very, very hard for me. Um, now as an adult, I feel like I finally kind of found my jam and yeah. I've built like friendships that'll stick around for like a lifetime. And that's really important to me because, um, building, rebuilding solid friendships that last has been, um, probably one of the biggest ways in which I'm learning to heal myself and learning to actually live again, yeah. um, after such a traumatic experience of losing everyone I loved. Yeah, absolutely. And you were just saying how you sort of, you know, found your jam now. Um, and I think, you know, not just through relationships, but also through the work that you do, I think you've definitely found your stride in that way. Um, so looking back on your childhood, were there any sort of moments that hinted to you um, about the potential that you've been able to reach now? Yeah, absolutely. I remember this one time I was in preschool and I was four years old and um, I found these coloured shapes that were for playing with and there was like blue and um, little octagons and triangles and red ones and yellow ones and I sat on the floor of the preschool and just was completely lost to the world around me and just with my hands was like creating this created this like beautiful flower almost like a mandala flower made from these shapes and mm. that was the first time like it was my first big accomplishment like the teachers photographed it and put it up on the like board in preschool and I'm like four <laughs> years old so stoked yeah that I've achieved this amazing thing and now looking back like that was the first time that I realized that I was truly a creative mind um yeah and I now have the photo of that that little accomplishment framed and I'm going to have it um, tattooed on me too. That's amazing. Um, so that was when I realized that I was a creative mind. And um, also I realized that I had leadership abilities because we would do these school teachers teas at the end of school term. We would um, put on an event where we'd, it's like a, a gratitude event for our school teachers and we would take them out and have like, um, like a, a, a big do kind of like a big party. <laughs> and um, usually the eldest girl in the class would kind of oversee the every, everything about that event. Yeah. And But somehow I would always end up being in charge, although I was not the oldest <laughs> and I wasn't supposed to be. And yeah. it was just like natural emerging leadership. And that's when I kind of realized that um, I had a knack for organizing people and leading people. Yeah. Um. And those skills, they were things that I was naturally born with, but yeah. I didn't really feel like I was able to develop those skills in the environment where I was. 
Um, so that's why it was very important for me to leave Gloryvale so I could actually work on developing my creativity and my leadership abilities. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's pretty incredible that you were able to identify those things at such a young age. Um, I know that a lot of people, you know, who are doing some amazing things later on in their life, um, they've spoken to me and said that, you know, they've noticed that when they were at university, you know, doing something or they were went to an event outside of school in their 20s. Um, but for you to realize that at such a young age is pretty incredible. Um, but then a couple of years later, I know that you also had quite a challenging experience, um, which led you to kind of question um, your abilities as a leader and your place um, mm. in that regard. Uh, why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so um, because my grandfather founded the community there um, and after I came out of the community, I heard people refer to it as being a cult and I didn't quite know what a cult was and then I did a, a bit more um, research onto, into what a cults and sects actually are and um, once I realised the type of environment I'd been raised in, a lot of these stories that I'm going to share will make a bit of sense. Mm. So my grandfather was the leader of the cult and yeah. he is like, he's God um, reincarnated in the flesh, basically. Like we worshipped him, his word was law and we would pretty much do anything he said. So my grandfather was like a God in our society and I was his um, I was his granddaughter, so I was privileged but because I was his granddaughter, I had also higher expectations on me than other girls in my community. And I had, um, when I was six years old, my school teacher wrote a report that said, Lilia demonstrates leadership skills, which could be useful for when she gets older. And the school reports were all read out at the meal table where everyone had gathered together and my report was read out and then my grandfather said to me we don't want women like you and wow. I was six years old and my mum had told me that this report was a good report and she was very proud of me mm. and I just remember being humiliated and sitting at my spot on the table surrounded by 500 eyes looking at me and being shamed for my grandfather by my grandfather and if you like hear his sermons they go for hours so for hours he talked about my report card and used me as a public example for mm. what they didn't want in their women which was leadership a mind of their own and independence women in my environment it's literally written into the laws of the community that women are to be meek with downcast eyes and submissive and never questioned the authority of a man. So that was a really defining moment for me where I was like, okay, here's this thing that I've accomplished, which I'm being degraded for by someone who I love, my very own grandfather. Mm. And he was the only grandparent I'd ever known. So two of my grandparents died before I was born and the third left that church um, when I was very young so my grandfather, who was a dictator, was the only grandparent that I ever knew and loved. And that was how he treated me. So yeah. that was 
pretty hard to swallow. Yeah. And how did you, I mean, you were six years old, so I can only imagine the impact it would have had on you. Um, how did you sort of bounce back from that if, you know, if you have um, in any way already? Um, oh, gosh, you just, I guess I had some good people around me. Like my auntie came to me straight after when I was six and she was like, you know, try not to listen to him too much. Like that's yeah. just what he's like. Don't take it personally. Um, but, you know, having come out, I think me going through that experience has made me very aware of how a lot of women across the world are being treated. Mm. And I'm very passionate today about female leadership and empowerment because it is a, such an issue, yeah. um, especially the emotional abuse and the control and manipulation of women, um, and most particularly in religions, to do yeah. that as well, because religion is something which I've experienced firsthand. So I would say that those experiences, even though traumatic for me and I still carry childhood trauma mm-hmm. have have fueled my passions today and what I am seeking to change in the world um, I think kids are so important like when we're in like those developing years we're wanting you know children to have as much room to express their creativity and to mold them into the people that they are going to become yeah. And so I think it's like parenting is so important, but also like our schooling systems and our education systems. I think I'd like to see them um, change for the better. Yeah. Um, and what does that look like real- to you? Well, what it would look like to me is a lot more strength finding and a lot more like specialized um, tutoring for the individual child based on that child's particular talents. Yeah. Because I think it's easy to get lost in the system. Um mm. I would, I, I think, you know, there's, we have these systems in schools about you learn math, English, science, social studies. Um, I probably would like to see a lot more art and creativity and that type of thing woven into, into schools. Definitely. So that's what I'm wishing for my children. Like I want my children to be able to have opportunity to play instruments, to play sports, to um, pursue business at a very young age, yeah. especially with the changing economies, um, and people are want like people are wanting not nine to five jobs anymore. They're wanting commission based jobs where they get paid based on value they bring to the workplace. Yeah, and so I think we're needing to prepare children for that as well, um, especially as technology is evolving and you know we're losing our jobs to robots. Yeah, so I think we need to prepare our children for the future. And technology is a huge, um, huge piece in that. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, as you say, there's going to be a lot of jobs that are going to be automated, but there's also a lot of opportunities presented with the technologies that are developing. Mm. And Mm. um, we're not really being taught how to take advantage or make the most out of those opportunities. um, Yeah, absolutely. While also, you know, remembering that our humanity and our relationships are still a huge and probably need to be emphasised a lot more with the development of technology as well, just so we don't lose Absolutely. That. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. So it's like, how do we maintain that emotional connection mm. and those that social sense of belonging mm. while being in an online audience? So for me, as someone who a lot of my business is done online and I interact with a lot of my readers and my fans yeah. online, it's about like building a personal relationship with those people through my social media mm. and 
for me, that started with being vulnerable about my story, my background, where I've come from and my struggles today and actually being real with my audience and responding to them all personally as well via message, um, which is pretty time consuming, but it's also really important so that people know that I care about them and I'm connecting yeah, with them. Definitely. Um, yeah. Technology is like an incredibly interesting thing for me because mm. like it's something that was controlled in my childhood. So we weren't allowed access to technology and I went to the library, like, which is old school, like, pictures and words. And I read encyclopedias mm. to learn about the world. Um, so, coming from an environment where information was so heavily controlled. Yeah. Um, and now to this environment where it's so accessible on yeah. the internet has been this huge shift for me. And I'm really interested in how technology impacts us and is impacting our relationships and can be used as a tool for social change. Definitely. I think there's a lot of possibilities, especially if it's, you know, educated about in the right way and if we're, uh, we know how to use it in the right way. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely can be a lot of positives that come out of um, technology, particularly when you, you know, pair it together with that emotional intelligence aspect of things. Uh, yeah, you know, really help, you know, young people growing up, especially reach our potential and create meaningful change from a young age, which I think is something that seems quite impractical um, for a lot of uh, youth growing up, that we have to wait till we're older or till we have some sort of credibility to actually make an impact. Um, mm. But no, you can sort of start doing things now. Um, yeah, absolutely. With, with the technology that's available to us. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of want to take a bit of a step back because I know you did go mm -hmm. to university as well, mm -hmm. um, but just a, a little bit further back, um, I know that there were some some particular moments that, you know, really led you to question the environment and the values that you were being raised up in. You sort of mentioned a few mm -hmm. of them already. Um, but really in the lead up to you and your family leaving, uh, just – Go over. I know they're, they're quite um, traumatic and, and horrific moments, but just to give people a bit of perspective about the realities of your environment growing up, you know, what were they like and uh, what sort of really pushed you to take action and take control of your own life in the way of uh, moving away? Yeah, so when I was um, really young, I have two older siblings. Both of them ran away from the church when... Um, when I was very, very young and they were only 15 at the time. So I lost my two older siblings um, when I was like 11 and that had a huge impact in me, on me because I was expected to be the eldest child and to also be um, an example and not be like them because they were sinners and my family like pretty much lived with this mark of shame that my siblings had left mm. um, and so when a family member leaves the church it's written into the laws that um, we are not allowed to have any contact with them we're not allowed to eat with them that we excommunicate and shun them and that they are no longer family to us um, so when I say like my brothers ran away from home they ran away from home but also like 
that was it. Like mm. they were cut out of our lives. Um, we're expected to burn fo- burn their photographs, to not pray for them. Um, and so this was really hard for me as a young girl f- with two people who I really loved. And I struggled with that aspect of it. But then I, you know, because you live in this environment where that's the expectation and if you don't act in the right way or behave, you'll get kicked out yourself. You kind of have to knuckle under and keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Um, my siblings leaving was the thing that brought my parents to really question whether or not we should be there because they figured, well, why did God give us these children if we can't parent them? Yeah. And what gives the church the right to make those decisions in our family for us? And so in them questioning that, that's kind of kicked the ball ball rolling in terms of like, okay, well, if we can question one thing, we can question everything. And so we started to question a lot of things. Um, Why weren't women allowed to wear pants? Why do women have to wear head coverings? Why aren't women allowed to wear makeup? Why aren't they allowed to wear jewellery? Why um, are women not allowed to speak and preach? Uh, So this was like a really long process for all of us. And then it got to the point where I... I had a best friend and she was not born into my world. She was uh, adopted um, and brought in from, um, she's she's Mexican. So she had this experience with the outside world that she would talk to me about and she introduced me to things like worldly music and makeup and like shaving your legs. These are all like things that in my community were like absolutely forbidden. And so because she was in my circle of influence, I was started to like experience thoughts of, I opened my mind to something different than my current reality. Yeah. And in, in that space, I actually started to see that some of the rules and the regulations that I was living according to were hurting people rather than helping people. And that's when I realized that it had grown out of control and that it was too much. And then the day that my best friend came to me in tears, sobbing, trembling, and said to me, Lil, they've told me I have to marry this man I don't love and they're going to send me to another country to live with him. I was just like, that's it. Yeah. I, I will not watch the people that I love being treated so badly. Um, and so I made the decision that I was I was going to leave. And in doing that, I was breaking my commitment vows, which was huge yeah. for me to do because I took those commitment vows publicly in front of the whole community. I signed a piece of paper saying that I renounced all of my possessions, possessions and belongings and I would stay in that community and submit myself to the will of the leaders for the rest of my life. So... That was really hard, but it was more important for me to seek freedom for myself, for my little sisters who I loved, and also for any children that I might have. I didn't want to have children in this place where my children wouldn't have choices and opportunity. Yeah, definitely. And once you did choose to leave, uh, Lilia, you did end up going to university. Um, why don't you tell us a bit about you know sort of what you did and how you went around choosing that, particularly with the background that you had um, growing up in a completely different community? Yeah. 
Uh, so I decided that I wanted to go to art college. Mm. And so um, I had to get my uni entrance first. So I went and did a certificate to get that. And then I decided I'd do a degree in visual communications. And because I had in Glory of Our had some experience doing the marketing for their businesses because I was involved in the marketing for, um, they have really big businesses, so farming, um, deer velvet, rendering, um, they had, been, had an airline, they had a Spagna Moss export business and I was heavily involved in the marketing for that. I had some skills on technology and software that not many other people in Glory of Our had so I was quite privileged in that regard yeah and when I came out I wanted to further those skills but when I went to Polytech I found that like I wasn't really being pushed like I, I didn't feel like I was growing and the only I remember going to the lecture theatre and it was an art history class and the teacher was flashing out these pictures of art and how art had been used as a means for social um, change and to start and initiate movements. And I was like, that's so cool. Yeah. And the psychology, yeah, the psychology of it in terms of me having broken free of this um, almost like communist type environment, I was like, I get how art can be a catalyst for change yeah and that was the only class I liked though so I was like well I want to I'm going to drop out so I dropped out halfway through my degree went to work in administration in my parents company and after a couple years I said to my parents look I'm not growing again and they actually offered me the role as general manager for their company and I said okay let's do this so I stayed and in a year we made a 99.98 percent profit turnaround in the company, which was a huge accomplishment for us and for me having my first company as well um, because I was offered also shares in the business, yeah, which I took. Um, so after that, you know, my parents, they are thinking about like retirement and they don't really, they didn't really want to be running a business and it made more sense for us to shut the business down and pursue other avenues. So we did that, but then my income evaporated, yeah. right? <laughs> Plus my my vision of like what I thought my future was going to be. And I was like, well, what the hell do I do now? Yeah. So I was broke. I was struggling for money. Um, I didn't know. I didn't have any purpose or anywhere to go. And my health was failing mm. too. So at this point, I was going to start talking about my story growing up in a cult publicly in a public forum. And I had a nervous mm. breakdown. Um, about doing that so my mental health was suffering my physical health was deteriorating I was in the hospital at like three in the morning quite a few nights and I had to something had to change so I got into the health industry and cellular um, sciences and nutrition and healing I started to do yoga and meditation and I started to look after myself and learn about my mind and I read books upon books upon books and consumed as much information as I could and then I started my own business in health and nutrition and I started writing my memoir and today it's a it's a bestseller so like it's it's quite an involvement over time but I started in a really dark place first yeah and what actually led you to finally decide that yeah my story is something that I want to share or feel like I can share because 
I can imagine, you know, writing your memoir, going out and talking in front of audiences about it uh, would have been a com- really daunting uh, thought. Yeah, um, I just, I, if you know me, like I love people mm. with all of my heart and humanity. Like I believe we are essentially good and I wanted to initiate change and I knew that sharing my story would help somehow like you know one person reads it and it gives them like the ability or the courage they need to break free from an abusive relationship or a controlling religion or and I I wanted to there's so many reasons like I wanted to leave a legacy for my kids to know where I'd come from and what we'd overcome to to get here today I wanted um personal peace and healing for myself and I'm a writer so journaling things out and writing them down and collating them into like chapters is very therapeutic for me Um, it also brought out a lot of issues I didn't even know that I had that I'm still to this day working through Um, childhood trauma issues from having witnessed children being abused and um, issues like where a lot of self-doubt and criticism because I've I'd been so suppressed my whole life and told that I was worthless so I wanted to share my story and ch- just show people I've come from here to here and if I've done it you can do it too yeah um and I wanted to like yeah build a name for myself so I could actually begin to speak and have a voice from you know someone who's never in their life been able to talk back to men or have an opinion I wanted my own voice for once yeah like and I wanted to say what I knew was important and talk about discrimination racial and sexual discrimination and suppression of women and children and men because there are men who are suppressed Mm. in religions too so that's why I decided to do it i what I'm doing, I couldn't have stopped myself if I tried. Yeah. yeah. I love the way you've just described that. Um, and it definitely seems like you found success through this and through expressing yourself and your story. Um, so what is success to you and sort of how, like, how would you go around defining it? Uh, to me, success is like being happy. Mm. And I know that sounds so cliche, but it's so important. Like, I didn't even, I didn't know what happiness was. Like, only when I published my book, like, there was this very particular moment when I was in Auckland on the book launch. I was staying in a hotel, and I was in my hotel room, and I had events lined up the next day, TV um, shows that I was going to be on, um, a bunch of radio, and it was one of the toughest times of my life because I was sharing my my story with the whole world but at the same time I was utterly happy because I was like this is what I was created to do and it was in like that finding of myself and realizing the strengths and the gifts and talents that I've been blessed with and acknowledging them and using them to touch and contribute to the world that I found like actual happiness for the very first time the last time I'd remember being happy before that was when I was a very very young child before a lot of expectation was heaped on me um so I really believe that for 
children, if we can help them find their passions and their purpose at a very young age, it will contribute to human happiness mm. and the collective well-being of the human psyche across yeah. the board. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I, I 100% agree with you on that. Um, and so for those, you know, young people who maybe are feeling a bit lost in you know, their purpose, you know, in what they feel like they want and what they believe they can bring to the people around them. Um, what advice do you have for those young people growing up? Well, I would, I recommend a lot of personal development. Um, so that that's what I've done because, and I recommend it because it's worked for me. Like I started looking, I did mental exercises I identified my strengths and my weaknesses. I went through and I began to work on like um, self-empowerment and the seven areas of life. So um, finances, family, relation, um, social relationships, uh, physical strength, men- mental strength. Like I went through all these areas of my life and looked at how I perceived them and where I wanted them to go. And so I started imagining a life different to the one that I had and started to like slowly build towards that. So I would really recommend like for young people, like read books on your mind, um, get to understand yourself, become aware and in, and grow your intelligence and attend courses. And it doesn't have to be courses in school. There are so many courses available that you can do on business or personal empowerment or theology like whatever makes you tick just be like a sponge for knowledge yes yeah, and I think if you, yeah mm. totally totally like so much of um the economy now has been directed into courses online yeah that um are actually not delivered by schools they're delivered by independent organizations and technology organizations so there's so much available. Just find something and be a student. Never stop learning. Definitely. And so what do you think um, in terms of the skills that you have, which one's been the most valuable and key to what you've been able to achieve so far? Um, I would probably say that Dr. John Martini is um, one of the, has been one of the biggest influences in my life. Mm. He um, is a human behavioural specialist and um, he uses a healing modality where he actually looks at people's perceptions and how to shift and change their perceptions by stepping them through a set of exercises. And his work is just, it's so grounded in science, but it has these like beautiful elements of mysticism and spirituality Mm. as well. So, um, and he's like, comes highly, highly accredited. He was um, someone who's changed my life in terms of understanding my values and empowering areas in which I was disempowered. Um, Also, Brene Brown, like her writings. Oh, her writings. (laughs) When I, like, when I first heard her TED talk um, about the power of vulnerability, like, I re- that's when I realized that me sharing my story could have an yeah. impact because if I was vulnerable enough to talk about my life and give people an insight into my personal story, which for me is so scary to do and feels really, really raw, I knew that was the way in which people would, one, be able to resonate with me, having come from a world nothing like theirs, yeah. and 
two, be able to understand the stories that I was trying to share with them in order to understand the ideas that I'm I'm wanting to teach, which is about injustice, social injustice. So yeah. yeah. I think the most one of the most important things as well is to just be authentic. Um, you know, stay true yeah. to yourself and just try and ensure that you're you're doing what's right for you in the process of trying to find out, you know, your purpose and trying to um, find what you want. Just make sure you're doing it in a way that uh, fulfills yourself first of all. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe like creative expression is one of the first um, steps to authenticity Mm -hmm. because for me growing up in my environment, like you aren't authentic. You're, you're a robot dressed in a dress and a uniform that is like has to obey according to the rules. So you make like nothing is, is really your own expression of who you are. Yeah. And you don't even know who you are because you have don't have the ability to explore that. Um, so when I like a lot of the topic I talk about now is authenticity because um, it's for me has been this journey of going back to my inner child who was making that little flower on the preschool floor and realizing who I was when I was born, not what my society wanted me to be or expected me mm. to be. So I've kind of done this full circle back to the child that I was. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so, well, you know, one of the biggest parts that I want to get through with this podcast and um, in general is really to try and help young people reach their full potential, um, whether that be, you know, yeah. finding their passion, whether that be understanding different pathways to success, um, what, what do you think are some of the biggest barriers that really stand between us and being able to reach our full potential? Uh, well, one of the things I found the hardest was thinking that people would judge me um, when I decided to do something or going against the grain. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was really tough for me, even just like leaving my leaving my community was going against the grain like I going against the grain to the point where my entire society disowned me but it was the right thing to do and so I'm a big advocate for standing up for for what you believe in even if it means losing relationships in your life because relationships come and go and when you make space um, for when you like leave and let go of relationships that no longer serve you and your goals and your vision and your purpose then you create room and space for something new to come mm. and something new will always come. And it like based on the law of attraction, it will be the right thing for you at the right time that you have asked the universe for. So I would just like say, like have no fear, like, and you will always, there will always be pain and sadness in life. That is how it goes. But keep moving forward and don't let others hold you back and don't let the voices of others that say you can't do this or you shouldn't or you're too young or you're too thin or you're too you know you're not smart enough or you're not creative enough you're not intelligent enough don't let those voices get you down like always connect to the inner voice in you that believes in your greatness and um like I'm doing a workshop here in Christchurch shortly on confidence and how this your circle of influence and the five people you most spend the time with are the people who most influence how you perceive and see mm. yourself. And so to young people, 
find good yeah. friends, friends that lift you up and build you up and absolutely believe in you because they will just build confidence in you like nothing else. And build meaningful relationships with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. everything that you've just said. Um, then 100% resonate with that. Um, so, Lilia, what's next for you? Where do you see yourself going with the work that you're doing? Yeah, well, um, I would really love to, and this is me dreaming into the future and maybe mm. asking the universe for some things of my own, but um, I would love to be talking um, to political organisations and also in technology companies um, about these issues, like these social problematic issues and making sure that we're asking the right questions. So, um, yeah, issues around sexism, gender discrimination, um, sexual discrimination and abuse. Um, so those those are my topics, like learning, confidence, empowerment of the weak, um, authenticity, mm-hmm. a huge, huge thing that keeps coming up and my questions that I'm getting from my audience is they want to learn about self-love. So I'm looking at focusing on that particular point um, even like I get emails every day from the platform Quora where you ask like a, a question and an online community answers it. And so many of the questions about narcissism and I'm really interested in the distinct difference between narcissism and having a healthy self image. Um, so those are my topics I plan to speak and write. So I'm at the moment working on a second book as well. Nice. Um, I have some writing and speaking engagements coming up too. So, and I want to travel. Like I have this amazing opportunity where I'm allowed to see the world and I was never, ever going to have that. I was going to live in one spot my whole entire life. So I want to go scuba diving. So I'm pretty sure I'll do my ticket. I've fallen in love with yoga. So I'm going to do my yoga teacher training. I think I'd love to do it somewhere like Nepal. And mm. then what I'm going to do with all of this information is basically create online programs for my audience where they can um, learn the things that I'm learning and I can help them self-develop. I yeah. already run a mentorship program where I teach people to build businesses in the health industry using a very, very strong and proven business model to create wealth um, and freedom for themselves in a monetary form, but also in the form of health and lifestyle. So that's one of the projects that I'm concentrated on at the moment too. So lots of exciting things. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm super excited to see um, everything that comes out of what you're doing. I think it'll be all incredibly valuable um, for anyone that's interested and for everyone that actually, I think everyone definitely needs this stuff in their life. So um, yeah, I wish you all the best with that. And if there's anyone that would like to get in touch with you or just keep up to date with, you know, what you're doing and what you just mentioned, then what might be the best way to do that? The best way is honestly um, pretty much Instagram or Facebook. Hmm. So I'm Lilia Tarawa on both of those platforms. Um, I'm also on Twitter and on Snapchat too. It's Lilia Tarawa on both of those platforms. Sweet. I'll put those in the show notes um, for anyone that's interested. But yeah, well, I think that brings us to a close um, today, Lilia. I can't thank you enough for coming on and walking us through your journey as well as a lot of incredibly important things around the emotional and psychological aspects 
of success and fulfillment. Um, yeah, I know I took a lot away from that. So yeah, awesome. thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been awesome talking on the show. I think what you're doing is amazing. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Wish you all the best. Hello, thank you so much for listening into this podcast. I really do appreciate it. Just got two quick things I want to say. First of all, is please leave a review of this podcast, especially you know if you're listening in on iTunes. What it means is that more people are able to see and access this podcast and hopefully can impact um, you know young people across the world. Secondly, I just want to say that the music you just heard is created by and produced by local Canberra artist Slack. Um, if you like what you hear, please give her a follow, keep up with her stuff on Slack underscore Oz at SoundCloud or Slack Australia on Facebook. Thanks, guys.